welcome to another episode of Combine and Them, and you, and me, and everybody. Today we'll listen to the story of Pat Tomlin. Hi, Pat. How's it going? Thank you so much for being here, Pat. My pleasure. Can I ask you how your childhood was like? Yeah, it was nice, you know, playing out in the woods and a lot closer to nature, much better than the city. <laughs> I just like playing out in the woods, playing with the neighbors, um, riding your bike, you know, playing in the swamp. <laughs> Can I ask you your memories of growing up in the 90s? It was definitely more simple. Probably a little bit more enjoyable. There wasn't nearly the distraction to have to be connected to something other than your friends or the outside. You know, even when it was freezing and cold outside, we went outside, just bundled up and went outside. Now everybody stays inside and plays video games and whatnot. So definitely simpler. And I think it was a lot healthier too to to have an outside environment and uh, not be... So bombarded with technology all the time. Thank you. And can I ask you about growing up with John? Obviously the relationships were different. Um, for me, me and John were more physical because we could mess around with each other. I was almost always the same size as he was, even though, even though I was two years younger. So we could roughhouse with each other a lot more and stuff like that. And, you know, in a brotherly love type of manner, he was starting to really kind of show the kind of person he was and, and seemed to like he wanted to be, um, you know, you know, before he died. So that was, that was, that was nice to see that we got to see, you know, the direction he was going. Can I ask you about April 20 and how that day was for you? I did the homeschooling, uh, for, um, until high school. And then I went to a private school in high school. Cause I didn't want to go to Columbine. It was typical morning as usual, except I was home the whole time. Um, so eventually when we got word, the TV came on and watched pretty much everything on the TV and the you old know, school work stopped. Yeah. We just watched it on TV, just waiting to see, even though, you know, if, when the parents were going to get instructions to pick up their kids and all that kind of stuff, which did eventually happen. They did eventually have to leave and go sit and wait at the school. Um, obviously they waited forever <laughs> and never got their kid, but we just sat there, watched TV and just waited for instructions to see if we were supposed to do anything. And then just waiting and waiting and, you know, obviously our parents never came back or, you know, never came back with John, obviously. Um, and then at that point was when I think everybody pretty much knew that he wasn't coming back. Um, so things got pretty hairy from there. Can you remember the first day after the shootings? Pretty sure I was just sitting up in my room trying not to cry with people walking in periodically, trying to, trying to comfort you, but you just sat there and ignored them. You know, you're kind of in shock at that point. So, 
Um, I just ignored everybody for the most part and just laid on my bed. They did have an open casket for a short period of time, I believe, and we did get to go see him. But I don't know, it's just the body, you know, I guess it was something that I guess I didn't really need, but maybe some other, other people did. There was one funeral. I mean, they had, I think they had some, like, they had extra other memorial services and stuff, but um, his main funeral um, was here in Wisconsin. Uh, it, it was a good funeral. It was at a, a local church that my aunt and uncle still go to. I know for me, I was wearing one of John's shirts to the funeral, um, which I don't remember. Actually, there's a complete memory blackout from driving to and back from the funeral. I remember, but I can't remember anything in between. Um, and I never have. Uh, so there's some sort of uh, memory blackout that my brain just won't let me remember or something. And I even asked, like, you know, was I there and or what happened? What, what, what did they do? Because I don't really remember any of it and I still don't. But I remember... It creeped me out that I, I was wearing a dead person's shirt. So a little, little bit of PTSD or something there where I had to take it off. I had to put on a different shirt at my, I think it was uh, Aunt Patty's house or something. Because it was, it was freaking me out. So I had to take it off. <laughs> but uh, I know, I think Shane, one of my cousins and myself wrote a note on a napkin and put it in the casket before we had left that day. The funeral itself was, the big one was in uh, Colorado, to the church we had there. I do remember that on the, with the funeral in Colorado, I do remember getting a limousine ride with a police escort. Yeah, got to zoom past all of the traffic and um, it was kind of a distraction, I guess, which was kind of nice at the moment. But, you know, as soon as we got to the church it, my god you'd think the whole world descended upon that church and as far as the media you know and just you're almost like a celebrity you just trying to walk into the church and it was just click click flash 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 just everywhere yeah you know, i didn't mean, talk about traumatic i mean trying to trying to you know get some closure with you know the death of your family member and and then you know it's just nothing but like freaking paparazzi type of stuff going on which definitely puts a sour taste in your mouth you know the fact that people want to record your grief i guess um i i understand it obviously but well especially now um but back then it, it definitely um makes you shy away from you know that kind of attention as far as the community goes um pretty much worldwide support that was one of the first of its kind type of tragedies that had happened, at least at that scale. And so the outpouring of support from just neighbors to people from across the world was phenomenal. It was to the extreme level. I mean, we got, we received thousands of cards with just encouragement and stuffed animals and for comfort and support. Yeah, it was, it was huge outpouring of support. It was always nice to hear, um, good stories in ways that John impacted other people's lives. People started to tell, you know, some interesting stories um, of like how his truck was always breaking down when he was going to his, uh, his church group. 
his youth group where he worked he would splashed a bunch of mud on one of the customers uh vehicles where he was working he worked at a tree nursery and then he felt guilty about it so then he had ended up convincing the 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 customer to let him wash his wash their vehicle i mean i i think i built an affinity for um liking cars and, and things like that like my brother would that his truck was his passion so it, you know, i like to work on vehicles and, and trucks and you know cars and things like that a little bit of a connection there um too i think that that really helps you know it wasn't too long after that i think that seeped in probably when i was around 18 19 somewhere around there um maybe 20 yeah i i, I fell into a, a pretty decent depression for a couple of years um where i just became just not a very nice person, even more withdrawn than normal. I was very crass, kind of a dick, <laughs> more so than I am now, <laughs> you know? So where a lot of people were be like, odd me about it, you know, like, you know, Hey, you know, this is, this is a problem, you know, you be doing this or that, or you're and you're acting like a terrible person type of stuff. And I, when I was personally, you know, miserable too, you, you get caught up in your, in your own crap, in your own head, caught up with maybe every, everybody else's stuff. And you kind of lose focus on taking care of yourself so much, or you just don't care. And then um, things kind of spiral downward. Um, and then you kind of lose touch with kind of your roots and where you were supposed to be. And it got to the point where I was like, man, I don't like being depressed. I don't like the person I was becoming. It, I eventually got to a point where it was just annoying, I guess. It was just sick and tired of being miserable. So I started working on just little things to change slowly and eventually pulled out of the depression. Yeah. You know, I made a big mistake of, you know, during that time it was, you know, you were supposed to be more masculine, you know, you were supposed to be kind of macho and tough and stuff like that. So that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And I was supposed to suck up my emotions and, you know, not cry that much and, you know, things like that. So, um, which obviously that, I mean, I can tell you for a fact that that was um, a mistake, <laughs> But, you know, it can't change the past. Um, but yeah, during the nineties, you know, it was definitely more, a more masculine, more macho, uh, male friendly environment where the culture kind of pushed you to be too tough and too strong and, you know, didn't give you as much support to the grieving process and stuff that you, that you needed, especially as, you know, a young adult, I guess it, it, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm sure it had uh, plenty of negative effects on my, um, uh, with, you know, with the depression and uh, relationships and stuff like that. It, you know, it was, it's definitely not the proper way to, to grieve. I think it's just one of the worst things you can do is just not deal with it up front and as soon as possible and letting things, uh, just putting things off to the side is, is not healthy. Just concentrate on yourself and go through the grieving process and don't worry about anybody else. You know, don't worry about other people, what they think and all that kind of stuff that just do what you need to do to, you know, write yourself. Uh, for someone who's grieving, my, uh, it's to help somebody. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's little simple things, you know, making, making the lunch, buying the coffee, sitting and listening, talking, helping them with a, a repair on the house, driving somebody somewhere, just offering a small assistance, you, you, you know, where, where you can is 
makes it makes a huge difference. It doesn't have to be anything gargantuan. You know, you don't have to go out and buy somebody a car or pay their rent or anything, but it, just small gestures of, hey, I, I care about what's going on. And, you know, is there is there something I can do to alleviate a little bit of stress or, you know, is there some, a chore that I can do at your house or something that I could, you know, help you with? Just the little simplest things are probably the best thing that you can do for somebody and, and listen when they need, you know, someone to talk to and, and, and not, and not talking much, you know, just sit there and let them, let them vent out <laughs> and just listen. Thanks, Pat. And about, um, your journey since Columbine? Uh, since we lived in Denver or in Littleton area, it was too many people. It was so big. It expanded so much in the, the time that we, when we first started there, it just, all it did was give me anxiety, uh, with just the busyness and the craziness. When I moved here to Wisconsin four years ago, and I've always considered this my home. So I always felt drawn back to here, but then I got, you know, got diagnosed with cancer. So obviously I don't want my parents to lose another child or want my sister to lose another brother. Um, so that gives me some inspiration to, to fight and try to do what I can to help myself. Um, I'm trying to fight this because if it, and same with my family, you know, I have, a, I still have a young daughter, you know, she's only seven. Um, so I'm not just fighting for myself. You know, if I was just fighting for myself, I probably would have gave up a long time ago, but, um, I've definitely, there's a lot of people I'm fighting for. Yeah. I definitely would love to get a place out in the country, um, you know, have have some chickens and some goats, you know, things like that. I like to get out in nature. Um, it's uh, unfortunately it's, it's really difficult because uh, my endurance levels are, are terrible, so I can't like go on long hikes and stuff. But I can go on short hikes. So you know, we can go down to the river and go on a, on a kayak and just kind of paddle around and uh, or go fishing off the banks or whatever. Uh, you know, little simple things are is what I like to do now. I like to go outside and garden, you know, plant stuff, grow stuff. Yeah, there's still plenty of places I want to go see and the things I want to do. There's I've been overseas a few times, um, but there's still a lot of places I would I would love to, to go and see. Um, overseas and here in the United States, there's plenty of places I haven't been to, you know, that I would like to see, you know, uh, you know, historical places like New York and, um, Sequoia National Park in California, you know, things like that, that would be, um, really cool. I've seen the Grand Canyon, so I don't need to go there, but, um, there's definitely plenty, plenty of places to see and things to do that, um, I would definitely look forward to if I, you know, if I can, if I can beat this or at least extend my life, you know, another 10 years or something. And Pat, do you sometimes think about the person John would be now? Oh, yeah, yeah, you definitely think about it. I mean, how can you not? Definitely crossed my mind, you know, if you would have been hitting this midlife crisis, you know, this year and stuff, you know, and what kind of relationship would we still have with each other? What if he had kids, you know, then I had had more nieces and nephews and things like that. Um, it definitely crosses your mind, but I don't, I definitely don't dwell on it. You, you know, it's just, it's something that didn't happen, you know? So I, I try not to, to concentrate too heavily on the, the what ifs and the maybes and cause then it just makes you more sad and you know, that's, that's not really what you want. 
but you know i uh, wonder you know like what kind of support would he be you know would he be there for me uh, right now in this moment you know if he was still alive you know um and it would be nice i i think about him a lot too when i see other people with their siblings um rough housing and playing with their brothers that you don't have anymore <laughs> you know it's not like it's a super sad type of thing but i just always think about it it's nice you know have that once doesn't make you jealous or um mean or anything like that you know it's just just a it's just an afterthought of you know something that you had that you you no longer do and that you wish you still did i have a few strong memories um left but a lot of it you know so much time has passed and i you know with with the trauma from the treatments and stuff um i guess the first thing that really pops into my head is just um just like a, a picture of him of his face you know what he looked like as far as his memories like you can remember the person and the action and stuff but you know what they look like is one of the first things that always uh seems to f- fade more so so that's one thing that i always try to think about is what he looked like every time every time i think about him i try to think about you know what he looked like i don't feel a need to go visit um the grave um i never really really felt that way towards any family members or anything that i i i, I didn't feel a draw that i needed to visit somebody who's not there you know i mean it's it's just a it's just a body in a in the ground you know i i don't feel a connection to the gravesite so much at that level and uh, can i ask you do you feel closer to john in wisconsin yeah probably because he always wanted to come back um to wisconsin i believe you know yeah Definitely closer, especially now that I have his truck. Can can, can you tell us uh, a bit more about uh, inheriting John's truck? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my parents just never ran it, never took care of it. Really, it sat in the garage, so I was taking care of it in that respect. But it was wasn't run properly. It wasn't wasn't maintained properly, and I just it drove me crazy because I'm a, I like cars. I'm more of a car person. And I would always rail on my dad about, you know, you need to get it, drive it around. You need to take it places, do stuff with it. So it was just rotting in there. And John would have rolled over in his grave if he knew that, you know, that nice of a vehicle now that was just sitting there, just sitting, just collecting dust, not doing anything, you know? So I was, and of course, you know, I, I don't know how much time I have left to live necessarily. So I was like, you know what? I I got a garage that I could put it in, and I I had another vehicle that was only two years older than it, so I'm quite familiar with a lot a lot of the aspects of the vehicle compared to more modern vehicles. Um, so I have some familiarity with it mechanically and all that kind of stuff. So I knew I could better take care of it. So now I have the opportunity to kind of get it back in proper running order, you know, things like that. Just kind of enjoy it, you know, which is what I think what it was meant for was for us to enjoy it. Chevy uh, flew back a long time ago, 2000, 2001, somewhere around that. Chevy Chevy took it to Detroit and, and, and did a full restoration on it, um, except for the interior. They left the interior the way John had it. Like, there's a broken, there's a missing knob on the radio, and um, there's some flaws on the on the upholstery dashboard, you know, you know, type of things that they they didn't fix. 
they left the original steering wheel um but they restored everything else so from tires to brakes to you know chassis the engine everything was completely redone replaced um my brother wanted a bigger engine so they they put a giant engine in it you know um he wanted it lifted so they put a lift on it and everything now it's a beautiful truck it wasn't so much back then but now it's a beautiful truck yes <laughs> i love to drive it it's it's a lot of fun it definitely gets a lot of attention uh there's not a whole lot of these types of um this year of truck and it's a step side so it's not even a standard um the bed really so it's it's a little bit more unique um not a lot of them are restored to that level um at this year um so it definitely gets a lot of attention um which is kind of which i which i don't mind it's always fun to show off um you know my brother's truck and and then a lot of people want to talk to you about it or something too. And even though I, I didn't do any of the restoration myself, it, it's always a chance to kind of witness to people and be like, yeah, you know, this is my brother's and, you know, using Columbine shooting and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a good way to witness to people, I think, and just, you know, share John's life, you know, and, you know, it being my future, not being certain just to be able to, to drive it around and, and get to have a lot of fun with it, you know, the way he did in, in, in a lot of sense, um, means a lot to me. Yeah. Oh, everybody was impacted by Columbine. Yeah. I mean, um, I think the whole world was impacted at, you know, at some level and hopefully they were impacted in, in, in a positive way versus as a, a negative way. Um, I'm sure that some people were affected in a negative way, but I think overall the messages that came out you know, post Columbine and with all the stories of all the kids and, you know, who they were and, and what they were doing. And I think had a huge impact on the world, especially with the, with the response, the, such a good response by the community and stuff like that. I think it was definitely a bright moment in history. Uh, the response that happened, if people took care of each other in bad times, the same way they took care of each other in, in good times and vice versa, you know, the world would be a completely different place. I try to instill, you know, a lot of those ideas into my kids. Don't be selfish. I mean, that's the way the world is. The way it is now is because of selfishness, um, love of money, love of things. It really does hinder hinder a lot of progression. It, it does control a lot of people's lives. And just to try to be an honorable, honest person um, goes a long ways and, and that's the, whether or not you become an important person or you don't uh, you know people will remember you for the kind of person just the simple kind of person you were that somebody who was honest and honorable you, you know and wasn't not not selfish got look into your family and, and friends and you know things like that if you prioritize you know prioritize properly and i think the world and your life will be in, in a lot better place. You know, you, you can't expect to uh, to make it rich and, and, you know, and things like that. But that's really not what, you know, money is not what makes life rich. You know, your enrichment is going to come from, you know, family, friends, relationships, um, including, you know, a relationship with God and everything. So you got to really look at it in that perspective. I think if you want to, if you want to be successful on, on, on that kind of a level versus on a, 
on a, on a worldly level, that's I think that's how you have to look at it. A lot of people don't have that much faith in humanity, but I have seen that good side of humanity that that they can come together. You know, they can love and support each other um, to to not give up on that aspect of of people. You know, despite all the horrible stuff that's going on, there there is a wonderful side too, and there you know, and life is worth living, and there is it's worth fighting for, and sometimes you just gotta you gotta fight the bad with the good you know you take the good but fight the bad um for more good (laughs) you know it's only gonna it's only gonna help us all and yourself out in the in the future Thank you so much for listening to Columbine, them, and you, and me, and everybody. Take care, and you'll be hearing from us again very soon.